All right, everyone, welcome to the newest episode of Heal Thyself. Thank you for joining the show, taking the time out of your week, of your day. Really, it's a blessing, and I'm so grateful that you are all putting yourself in a place to learn more, to change yourself, to change your community, your families, and society, all with just some information that is teaching you how to empower yourself. All right, today's show, really important. How many of y'all eat hummus? How many of you love hummus? How many of you go to a barbecue or a football game or a family gathering and there's hummus there? Well, something important for us to know, and hummus can be a really staple for a lot of us, especially vegans, we need to know what is the problem with conventional hummus because there is a problem and I'm going to talk about it and how do we optimize which ones are the best hummuses out there. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in the product review. And then a very special guest I have been waiting for so long to talk about the place of psychedelic medicine when it comes to healing, depression, uh, suicide, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, anything that has to do with the mental emotional component how can it improve? And this is something that is taboo, but we have one of the foremost medical doctors talking about it. Dr. Molly Malouf is going to go into how psychedelics may be a game changer for mood issues, for health overall. So can't wait to get her on. So without further ado, let's get to this hummus knowledge bomb. All right. Who loves hummus? I love hummus. I've eaten hummus almost all my life. It's something that my palate enjoys. I put carrots in there. I put a little celery in there. Sometimes I'll put it on a spread. I love dipping some really good healthy chips or chips that are not cooked in uh, safflower oil, canola oil, just some really good healthy stuff. I'll use hummus. And hummus, for many people, is thought of as a health food. And it is, but, but, but there are some issues. Now, I want to talk about some research that came from the Environmental Working Group. And this is a nonprofit that you've heard me speak about on so many different shows. And they wrote a great article. And it said, the EWG tests for hummus and finds high levels of glyphosate, the weed killer. This is an article by uh, Dr. Alexis Temkin and toxicologist Olga Nadenko. And both of them led an investigation, and this was done, uh, right, I think it was around last summer uh, where this investigation was on. And what they did was basically look at hummus and look at the problem with most conventional hummuses. Now, as I mentioned before, hummus was focused on because there's a problem with hummus. And the problem is in chickpeas. And what's the problem with chickpeas? In particular, glyphosate. It's a toxic weed killer sold under Monsanto formally, right? And now it's Bayer, which not coincidentally dietitians out there, food science, food scientists on Instagram out there, they're deeming it safe. And ah, yes, but the problem is, is they're ignoring the research, explaining how it affects our gut bacteria. And in particular, before I go into anything, the Monsanto papers. And I did a whole show called the Monsanto documents, right? And essentially what it is, is explaining and showing and revealing that the company in itself admittedly knows that glyphosate is not safe. So I'm going to do a little summary of the 10 things we learned about those declassified documents from the same company that is saying, yes, glyphosate is safe for everyone. One, we learned that they violated peer review study standards and avoided publication of a study that's showing that glyphosate is toxic to your cells. Two, they covertly manipulated and purposefully non-disclosed any data showing that glyphosate is toxic to the body. And they covered up those conflicts of interest in the studies. They had an intention to pay one particular guy, his name's Wallace Hayes, an editor of Food and Chemical Toxicology, 
in order to give him and have him make a pro-glyphosate stance. And guess what? We learned that they paid him off. It's so crazy. Also, details on how big of a role Monsanto played in the retraction of studies that are showing that glyphosate is toxic to our cells. I got a few more before we go into the hummus, but admission of them leveraging relationships to retract studies that showing glyphosate is toxic. Uh, one in particular was super egregious. They added names of experts to Monsanto written studies. Monsanto wrote the studies, added names of experts. Now dietitians and food scientists are reading that studies and taking at face value saying glyphosate is safe. This is how poor critical thinking is at this point. None of us ask questions anymore. Another really damning one, they ghostwrit papers to show that no, there was no carcinogenic potential of glyphosate, meaning that they're saying it doesn't cause cancer when it does. Email showing that Monsanto paid multiple individuals on an expert panel to take a pro-glyphosate stance, never submitting studies to the EPA showing that glyphosate causes cancer in mice. And lastly, Monsanto scientists emails uncovering, explaining how cancer-causing or carcinogenic glyphosate is in humans and that there is a known mechanism. Unbelievable, because they denied that there's any of this happening, but they literally show in these emails within Monsanto that there is a known mechanism and they know exactly how glyphosate causes cancer. Roundup, right? Crazy stuff. So we see they admit to data manipulation. They admit to these surfactants and Roundup causing being a hormone disruptor and causing cancer. So glyphosate is a problem. I don't care what anyone says until proven otherwise, all right? It's been a problem and people are accepting research at face value, and one, they're not recognizing or having any regard for these Monsanto papers where we learn from the company that this is the most toxic stuff out there, one of the most worst pesticides out there. And they're not looking to the authors who are writing the articles or their affiliations. You gotta follow the money always. This is, this is critical thinking. Unfortunately, too many doctors out there, food scientists out there, dietitians out there are not critical thinkers, but for me, I don't trust anyone until I learn it myself. And that's the problem with research articles. Unfortunately, there's a lot of corruption out there. So as I mentioned, it happens when big industries are involved, like agriculture, dairy, sugar, uh, conventional meat industry. They're all looking for shortcuts and profit with zero regard for human health. Remember that. So don't, so don't believe me. Start going down the rabbit hole yourself, and you're going to learn more about this. Well, with that said, we have a long way we have a lot of checks and balances to do for research studies, but at this point, it's a science that we have. I do wish, though, there were a lot of evidence-based research studies that had honest and integrity approaches to it, but it's not. Or there was a third party checking for everything, but we don't have that yet. Now I digress from the hummus. We got to get back to the hummus. So before I go into what the Environmental Working Group based our product review on and what the tests look like, I want you to understand what this was. According to authors, what happened was there was 43 conventional and non-organic chickpea and chickpea-based samples tested. More than 90% had detectable levels of that chemical glyphosate that I was just talking about. Over one-third of the 33 conventional hummus samples exceeded the Environmental Working Group's health-based benchmark for daily consumption based on a 60-gram serving of hummus. That's four tablespoons. One sample of hummus had nearly 15 times as much glyphosate as the benchmark that the Environmental Working Group uses. And one of the two tests from a sample of the conventional dry chickpeas exceeded even EPA's level of standard that is permissible for us. Interesting, because this is being sold. You buy it. You may give it to your kids. Your wife may be pregnant. You may be pregnant. 
and you're eating this. It's a problem. This is why I'm doing this show, for us to learn that, that hummus could be a problem. So the Environmental Working Group also tested 12 samples of organic hummus and six samples of organic chickpeas, most contain glyphosate. But the thing is, at much lower levels for organic. It's interesting because organic shouldn't contain glyphosate, but they still found some. And that shows how pervasive and ubiquitous it's everywhere. So according to the uh, study, the samples were taken from Aldi, Costco, Giant, Harris Teeter, Safeway, ShopRite, Target, Trader Joe's, Walmart, and Whole Foods. All right, so I got you at the edge of your seat. I'm sorry. Let's get into the product review so we can find out which hummuses we gotta buy and which ones we gotta stay away from. All right, product review time. Let's go into the top 10 most pesticide-tainted hummuses out there, mind you. Before we do, the Environmental Working Group's health benchmark for glyphosate in hummus is 160 parts per million. It's strict. And here at Heal Thyself, we love strict because as I mentioned on a recent show, FDA, EPA, USDA ain't 100% about consumer health, right? There's so many loopholes, and we know this because there's vast differences in the toxins in our food and cosmetics and personal care products and home air quality. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best and they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula 
packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. A lot of countries are making an effort to do right by their people. So they're banning a lot of that crap. But over here, there's so many loopholes. We're one of the worst countries with it by far. But we see a lot of these toxins that are banned in other countries are just regular here. They're coming through a very porous regulatory body. And these, these organizations like the EPA, FDA, and USDA are turning blind eyes. So remember, that's why we always go by strict benchmarks, because the stricter, the better. And a lot of these should be banned in the first place. All right, here are the hummuses that you need to be looking out for with the first one that I'm mentioning being the worst. Now remember, EWG level, where they're concerned, is over 160 parts per billion. Keep that number in mind. The worst offender, Whole Foods Market Original Hummus with 2,379 parts per billion. Incredible. Then the next two and three are Harris Teeter Fresh Foods Market. They have the traditional artesian hummus, both over 1,000. Then there's the Sabra, which is super popular across the board. I've eaten Sabra before. The classic hummus, conventional, none of these are organic. Um, 476 for one, 743. The other offenders that we see here, all over 160 parts per billion, are going to be Whole Foods. Whole Foods, again, Sabra, we see the roast, uh, roasted pine nut hummus, the supremely spicy one by Sabra. Haig's Delicacies, uh, a spicy hummus. Uh, 330, that's uh, the overall level on that one. And those are the top 10, right? So we have some Sabra, some Whole Foods, some Hikes, but all of them are going to be at least double with the Whole Foods being really high. Crazy, right? Because for us, in our mind, we're thinking Whole Foods is the safest, but you see that Whole Foods can be greenwashed in many, many ways also, which is again, bringing to us the importance of eating organic when it comes to some, of ver some very particular foods like hummus. So let's get into the top best hummuses. All right, we're gonna go from ascending order. So Good and Gather, uh, Simple Truth Organic, Park Street Deli, Ithaca Cedars, orga original, the organic one, Whole Foods Organic, that's the one we have to look for, Asmars Organic, O Organics, and the Perfect Pita Organic. These had non-detectable all the way up to, I think the max was eight or 10 parts per billion. So what we know is that most of these are gonna be organic minus the Good and Gather, Ithaca, and Asmars, as well as Perfect Pita. Most of the others are gonna be organic, like the O Organics, the Whole Foods One, the Cedars, the Simple Truth. So. It's a little, it's a mix of organic and conventional for the top ones. And it's just interesting because a lot of the ones that were the worst were mostly conventional, but some of the hot, the best ones, there was some conventional ones in there. So it's, unless you're following these conventional ones and you prefer conventional hummus, I would just go with organic to be safe because as a rule of thumb, most organic hummus is going to have fairly non-detectable or fairly low or non-detectable levels of glyphosate. And as a bonus, look, for me, there's something to be said about making hummus on your own, but you, if you are going to do it, you want to use either canned or dried beans before. Now, I will have something to say about canned. 
can, there always runs a risk of BPA because of the lining of the can. So uh, for dry, here are the best ones. Um, and actually none of these are chickpeas. Most Here's the best beans for dry in general. Signature Select, that's a conventional one. The lentils, Signature Select Pinto beans, that's conventional. Goya, which is what my family grew up on, conventional Great Northern beans. Uh, Harris Teeter Organic Black Turtle Beans and Harris Teeter Conventional Navy Beans. All of these were under 10 parts per billion for glyphosate. So interestingly enough, these dried ones, one, two, three, four, five, like four out of the five are going to be conventional. So it, if you're getting dried beans, if you go with any of these brands, then they're, you, you can bet on them being safe. Um, but I still would usually go with the organic ones. And lastly, here are the canned ones. The three that had non-detectable levels of glyphosate were the best one being Goya black beans, Bush's Great Northern beans, and Bush's black beans. But again, this is canned beans, so it does run the risk of having BPA um, as an adulterant. So here's what I'll do. Let's summarize this up. If I'm going to a party and I want to bring hummus for the regard of myself and my friends or my family, I'm going to get organic hummus as a rule of thumb. There are some conventional hummuses, as the ones I mentioned, that are that do have non-detectable levels. But for me, I'm not going to remember those names. I'm going to remember just organic tends to be much better a case for hummus uh, not being adulterated with conventional or with glyphosate. Um, I would not usually get canned beans. If I do eat beans, they're going to be dried and I'm going to make them myself. And we do learn that some of the dried beans can be conventional. So it's up to you. Um, but I, what I wanted to do is put the information out there that really, when we think something is safe just because it's at Whole Foods, it not, it, it's, that's not necessarily the case because we see Whole Foods hummus, conventional version of it, being one of the worst offenders of density of glyphosate that we give to ourselves. We give to our, our loved ones, pregnant women and children. All right. So if you're on a budget here, though, you, you do have some choices. So I uh, really hope that helped. Can't wait to get Molly on. Can't wait to like. This is a big part of uh, a big in, a, a, a big part of the intrigue for me as a doctor and a healer has to do with how do we get to the root causes? How do we express trauma? How do we get in touch with those traumas? And I think psychedelics has a major major role in the future of health. And we're blessed to have one of the leading voices on here. So as she stands on deck, get ready to have a really really awesome conversation. All right, what a special guest today. Dr. Molly flew out from Illinois to come here on the show and do other things, but I like to think she came for the show. What an amazing, amazing doctor. Here's why. For the first time ever on the show, we're going to get into the talk of psychedelic medicine. How helpful is it for us? What's the data behind it? Is it safe? Is it effective? What's happening in the future? This is the person who knows it all, and I'm so excited to have it on. She's a renegade. She's rebellious, just like Doc G., and she is a Renaissance woman. I say all the R's because that's what she is, and amazing, and wonderful. And I'm so happy to have you here. I tried to hype you up as best as possible. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, but the, the, the introduction, look, your reputation precedes you, and here's why. I was a fan of your work before you came here, so I feel like a little starstruck because- Oh my gosh. And now I join your clubhouses, and I listen <laughs> on Fridays, the, the Psychedelic Club Hour. The Psychedelic News Hour, yeah. News Hour, and it's, it's incredible- the information you're putting out there. You are one of the leading voices in the psychedelic movement, something that I've been supportive of for, for quite a while. But I have so many questions for you. First of all, how 
did you get into this space? In the oh conventional gosh. world of going through school, I know that you yeah. didn't have a class on psychedelics. How did you get into this space? <laughs> Um, so it's funny because I'm looking behind here at this thing that says heal thyself. And actually, I was really interested in education in medical school. I actually designed a course called Physician Heal Thyself. And I was always passionate about health and what is health about? How do you optimize it? How do you improve it? And residency, um, honestly, almost broke me because I thought that I could change the system from within. And then I realized that that was impossible. And so we were feeding kids cake and candy that had cancer. And I was like, okay, you're just ignoring first principles here of how cancer grows and how come no one cares about nutrition. And mm -hmm. so I decided to do something fairly ridiculous and resign from my residency and start my own medical practice and get my license and start working with executives in Silicon Valley because I saw that technology at the time, I thought it was going to change everything. And so I was like, okay, that's where I'll go next. Um, and I spent about eight years in the tech scene. And as we know, technology has changed our lives, maybe for better, maybe for worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, here I am wearing a Garmin Viva Smart and an Aura Ring. <laughs> and like, I usually wear a continuous glucose monitor. And I spent a long time studying metabolism. Um, and ended up teaching at Stanford. They asked me to teach a course on health. And I was like, I'll teach a course on health span. Because everyone's talking about lifespan, but I'm interested in how do we live better longer. And when I started studying metabolism a few years ago and really getting into like the underlying reasons why people were getting sick, it almost always came down to so many people have unresolved stress and trauma in their lives, right? So many people have had terrible life experiences that they've just swept under the rug. And honestly, like stress is one of the leading causes of people going to the doctor. And I think that psychedelics are going to play a very important role in help, helping us master the stress response and helping us actually master trauma better than we have in the past because mm -hmm. we know that traumatic experiences really change our body and our brain. We know that adverse childhood experiences increase your risk for chronic disease, but we haven't really found solutions for a lot of problems that we know are stress-related. We know that are chronic stress-related or post-traumatic stress-related. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wow, like psychedelics are definitely going to play a role in this. And I need to be a part of this movement because in, in the back rooms of Silicon Valley, in these boardrooms, I was like talking to doctors and, and talking to executives and saying like, look, I think psychedelics are important. And really early on, everyone kind of thought I was a little bit crazy for saying stuff like that. Um, but eventually in like 2017, I came out of the closet, the psychedelic closet. I was like, all right, I got on stage at a talk. Amazon had this like startup headquarters on Market Street. And I started interviewing this guy, James Fadiman, who was like the pioneer of microdosing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh shit, I'm talking about psychedelics in the media in front of a bunch of people. The room was packed. And I was like, I can't believe I'm, and after, because they almost kicked us out, basically. Like they were like, you should probably like, stop this talk right now because you guys are talking about illegal substances. And we were like, come on, just let us finish the talk. And so <laughs> we basically go and we like finish the talk. And then I had this whole crowd of people like, hey, who are you? What are you about? What is this? What are you talking about microdosing? And I ended up getting interviewed by the Financial Times. And then I was like, well, I'm certainly out of closet now because I've got a picture of my face in a magazine that's like, this doctor thinks psychedelics are helping people, you know? And I was really mostly talking about how I saw executives using them before they were going to pitch meetings and they were using it for performance enhancement. Mm -hmm. And so there was this sort of like script being flipped around psychedelics. And through those communities of executives and investors and entrepreneurs that I worked with, a lot of money got raised for MAPS. And MAPS is a nonprofit pharmaceutical company, by the way. So like, there's a lot of good that has come out of Silicon Valley, including the psychedelic revolution, mm -hmm. I would say, that's got sort of re-sparked re through this group. And then also, frankly, I've spent a lot of time at Burning Man. Mm -hmm. So I've been like nine years, nine-year burner. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Yeah, I kind of got this reputation of just being this like doctor who did whatever she wanted and <laughs> got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. knock on wood. Hopefully knock I on wood. Yeah, knock to on get wood. Away yeah. With things. Because I'm really, I think I've always been positioning myself and, and my brand is like, how do we reduce harm and optimize good as much as possible? Yeah. And how do we optimize health instead of just fix sickness? Because mm-hmm. like, I, I think it's great that we have psychedelics for, for hopefully curing things like PTSD and trauma and all sorts of conditions. But I'm also just a believer that there's a role for them in, in like spirituality. There's a role for them in community. There's a role for them in, in many different ways. And like medicine is one big way that's mm-hmm. changing the storyline for, for modern people. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm already hyped up from this conversation <laughs> because I, I, I align so much with what you said, um, particularly with the technology because I lived in Silicon Valley myself. Yeah. And I saw, I'm like, oh, is this for better or for worse? Because there was a lot of like health-based technologies out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, people are going to have access to everything. But at the end of the day, it's also us being glued to our phone yeah. over and over, you know, and how are we getting back to nature? It's interesting because in my time in Silicon Valley is when I started getting into psychedelics. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? You mentioned James Fadiman. I was at a pharmacy called Pharmaca. Oh, wow. That's right. And, and, uh, I in, remember this. Remember that? It's yes. a, it was a, in Menlo Park. And, and his wife was there and I was talking to her and I didn't know who the heck it was, but her dog, which growls at everyone, wasn't growling at me. It was actually coming like really close to me, like hesitant, but close. And I started petting it softly. And she's like, oh my God, this, my dog doesn't, she's <laughs> like, she's like, you have to meet my husband. I was like, really? Your husband? Why your husband? And then she, she, she comes back with him, signed book and gives it to me and I read it. And that opened my eyes. Oh my and then, then, then I went into the Harvard psychedelics. Yeah. Book, and then I was like, oh my God, is there a place for this in medicine? Mm-hmm. Simultaneously learning more about maps mm-hmm. and understanding, whoa, there's a lot going on here that I didn't know about because my association is like every American association. The underground, rave uh, culture. Rave culture, whoa, like this yeah, is a party dangerous, drug. you're going to jump out of a window and hurt yourself. Like Exactly. You know, and everyone has someone that they know that like went off the deep end from mm-hmm. some terrible drug experience. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing is that like those are the those are definitely the minority. Yeah. Like the vast majority of people who use psychedelics don't really abuse them. Like yeah. they're not really addictive substances. Yeah. And mushrooms alone are like the research basically suggests that they're the least dangerous of all the drugs that we that are out in the street right now. And alcohol is cigarettes far more dangerous. Far more dangerous. And frankly, a lot of legal drugs that we prescribe as doctors are super dangerous. Yeah. Like all the opioids that have killed hundreds of thousands of people and we've legally prescribed them. So yeah. I think everyone's just waking up and getting it. And frankly, I'm just like astonished at the the pharmaceutical industry just blowing up in Canada and in America. Yeah. And it's it's a good thing. And it's also like a very like, hmm, no offense, but like most of the people running these companies are just old white dudes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's the same thing all over again. We're going to like ruin these things. So yeah. hopefully yeah. we can avoid that. And so I decided I was going to get involved in the industry and I was going to learn about every facet of it. I was going to see what was going on in culture. I was going to see what was going on in pharma. I was going to see what, what doctors were actually doing. I actually started my own sublingual ketamine protocol, and I'm in this ketamine Google group on on um, on uh, it's like a Google group. It's online, and it's like just all these doctors talking about their their practices with mm-hmm. ketamine assisted therapy, and they're all basically waiting for more medicine to come to market that they can legally prescribe and administer. So there's actually this huge 
wave of doctors that are like converting their practices into psychedelic medicine. I think yeah. it's actually a return to shamanism in our culture yeah. in a really big way. And I and I and the doctors that are doing this, the vast majority of the ones that, the, them that are in this group are like the really good ones. Mm-hmm. Like they're the really good doctors. Now there are bad apples out there that are overprescribing, and there's certainly plenty of ketamine mills that like basically you just go in and get shot up and then you walk out. Yeah. That's not ideal. We don't want that. That's not really what people need. People need re- to actually connect with people. They need to f- have their stories heard. They need to have yeah. their traumas expressed. They need to work through them with a therapist preferably and not just go and get, you know, numbed. Like yeah. that's not helping things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we're going to get into it all. I want to talk about psilocybin. I want to talk about ketamine. I want to talk about MDMA because these are things that are really being put into scientific literature. Yeah. And we're starting to see that how helpful it is for things like PTSD, anxiety, depression, stuff. I mean, uh, especially I was astonished by looking at ketamine and Mm -hmm. saying, whoa, whoa, like we're talking about people with depression, lifelong. Lifelong depression. And going through these ketamine-assisted therapies and what do you mean? They're coming out? I mean, for suicide alone, it should be approved. Like literally someone should, someone should get ketamine approved specifically for if you are suicidal you go and get a ketamine infusion because it can take you off the ledge mm-hmm. and like that I, I know so many people who've, who've killed themselves in the last year it's been a long time since i promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands we got one of the best ones now on heal thyself are you ready to elevate your coffee game and experience to prove that it's not only delicious but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in their process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid scientific research based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty-grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. Wow. And like, I don't, they weren't my personal friends, but everyone I know knows someone who, who, who killed themselves this mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And so we've had this epidemic of suicide and despair deaths, Right. And arguably, all these homicides and mass shootings are despair deaths because these are people that are murdering others because they are in f- complete despair, and they're in and they're usually very mentally mentally ill, yeah. mentally ill and disconnected from community. And many of them have never had any love in their entire life. And yeah. so, 
it's really a problem. Like we need, we, our whole culture needs healing. And I think that this movement is coming at the perfect time because we just finished a pandemic almost. It's an endemic now. And I think everyone's like, whoa, what did I just experience? I mean, the number of doctors that have actually described having PTSD after this last year is astonishing. Yeah. It's a high percentage. Wow. So even like all of those doctors need this kind of care. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And like, these are breakthrough therapies, right? So MDMA and psilocybin have been designated by the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, as, or the Food, Food and Drug Administration, as breakthrough therapies, which means they are better than what we have right now for treatment-resistant depression, for PTSD. So, like, they're, like, trying to fast-track these because they're, like, we don't have other options that work as no, well. No, So that's a pretty big deal. Like, when that, and then now the question is, is what's going to happen when Compass Pathways has their version of, you know, psilocybin. And what's going to happen to all the mushrooms on the street? Or what's, yeah. what's going to happen with the decriminalization movement? Yeah. Like, is the, is the DEA going to go hard on people growing mushrooms? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that. I do know that a lot of these are still very much illegal. And even if they were to get scheduled, like, what, what will happen likely is there's going to be, like, dual scheduling usually. Unless these get not, like federally decriminalized, what will happen with, with pharmaceutical drugs is when you get a drug approved for an indication, when that's prescribed by a doctor through the system, it's usually like a Schedule Three, because that's considered to be a drug that is approved. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's like for example GHB, so I learned all about GHB like eight years ago mm-hmm. when I was writing a paper for this you know this venture capitalist, and he he wanted to know about it, so I wrote this history of this drug, and um, long story short, like GHB gets approved by this company Jazz Pharmaceuticals. And Jazz Pharmaceuticals is like a, a multi-billion dollar company from one drug that treats a very rare disease called narcolepsy, cataplexy. Yeah. And so this company got it dual scheduled. So if you buy GHB from your dr- local drug dealer, it's going to be schedule one. But if you get um, GHB from your doctor, it's schedule three. And the reason why is because the stuff on the street is usually pretty messy and dirty. Mm-hmm. It's got all sorts of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stay GHB easily. Like GHB tends to tends, tends to break down into what's called GBL. So when you why pharmaceutical companies and why the FDA likes pharmaceutical companies and likes approved drugs is because they've done all this research to basically show that this is the right dose, these are the side effects, this is what happens when you take it, these are the biggest risks. And like they know because they have done controlled trials. Right. And that's why these things get special treatment. And that's why these companies become billion-dollar companies, because they've done all this research. And this research costs millions of dollars and takes many years. So even though we're we're in the beginning of this revolution, like MDMA will come next, and then psilocybin will be after that. But there's going to be a whole host of other drugs that are going to come to market Mm. that are going to be, you know, based on these these families. Wow. And, you know, I'm seeing indications like people looking for – for solutions for autism, people looking for solutions for cluster headaches, people looking for solutions for all sorts of conditions that we don't have good solutions for. So, wow. yeah. That's such, that it's, I mean, like the forefront, it seems pretty bright, um, particularly because I think the consciousness is changing around it too. Yeah. Um, you know, parents from the 60s, you know. Yeah. My dad's like very, because I'm very open about him with mm-hmm. what I do and why. Yeah. And you know, it's a little bit like, okay, okay, just be very careful, you know, because that's the consciousness is shifting. But now as I, as I speak to him about the research that's coming out that we see, it's much, it's much different now. It's not at the party. It's not at, you know, like at a festival or the park or, you know, wherever. Well, it's funny because like, I remember moving to Oakland in like 2011 
And I remember, remember walking down the street and being like, whoa, there's all these dispensaries everywhere. This is a new world I'm yeah. living in. And I would tell my parents and I would like sneak home on Christmas break and like bring them like marijuana candy. And mm-hmm. they would be like, oh my God, what do you have? Oh, let me try it. And then they would try it. And then they'd be like, this is awesome. And then like one year I didn't bring some, something home and they were like, you didn't bring any treats. And mm. I was like, yeah, because you didn't, you told me to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, but now they're illegal everywhere. And yeah. so it's funny because like, you know, now they're like, oh yeah, marijuana, no big deal. And I'm like, yeah, remember when I told you that like 10 years before I even moved to Oakland, that it was no big deal? Yeah, yeah. you didn't believe me then. Yeah. And so I'm, the same thing is happening with psychedelics where like, I talked to my parents about psychedelics. I'm like, hey, do you know this research is happening? And when they read about it in the Wall Street Journal in a front page art, like there's a whole article in the future of everything. They're like, Molly, what you're talking about? It's in the newspaper. And I was like, I know. <laughs> and so it's funny because it's like they're getting it now. And that when 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 I, you know, I'm from Peoria, Illinois. So when I'm like hanging out with people in Peoria, Illinois, and like family friends are like, hey, so I'm interested in psychedelics. Where where should I go? And I'm like, okay. When the Midwest right. is like curious about psychedelics, that means this is happening. Yeah. You know? And like now there's like one ketamine infusion center in central Illinois. Wow. And so it's really it's in field trip ha- opened an office in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it's it's certainly spreading. It's definitely like we're in a moment for sure. Where yeah. it's a very exciting moment, but it's also like very much just so much that could happen. For sure. Yeah. I know it can go different ways too. Yeah. So uh, let's get into um the specifics and and of each one, I really want to. Sure. I, I want because there's people right now listening and viewing who never heard of this stuff. Wow! So you got to understand we're we're in it, but yeah, you know this is sort of introductory. Yeah. First of all, um, what you mentioned ketamine and you mentioned that it may be indicated for depression, mm-hmm. suicidality. Yeah. Um, do we know how it works? What happens in the brain? Oh my god, ketamine is such a weird drug. Okay, so the weirdest thing about a lot of modern medicine is that it was actually derived from battlefield medicine, and ketamine is no exception. So ketamine was highly used in Vietnam because it would give you what's called conscious sedation. So after someone got their arm blown off and they needed to do like field medicine, they would give people ketamine, and then you basically get into this like disassociated state. And so it's also a pain reliever, right? So it's got a disassociative effect. It's got a pain relieving effect, so it's an it's like an anesthetic, analgesic, antidepressant, and anxiolytic, which means it can make you not feel pain. It can change your consciousness. It can reduce your depression, and it can reduce your anxiety. So it's used for like all sorts of stuff, right? Like it can actually, and it's prescribed for a lot of these things um, out in the in the in the real world. It's used in anesthetics mostly, but. Um, there's, you know, obviously a lot of use in, in depression now, and for people with anxiety, people are even prescribing it um, sublingually. Mm-hmm. Um, doctors are doing a lot of this stuff off-label because it's only technically approved for depression if you get this stuff called S-ketamine, which is an intranasal form mm-hmm. that J and J made. Which, by the way, is just the result. So, so each chemical has like two um, things called isomers, and so. What J&J did is they came along that said, ooh, we're going to take the L-isomer and we're going to make S-ketamine. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, cool, you made like an isomer. It's not that much different than the racemic ketamine. But they, but they were able to patent this version. And so then they were able to get it approved. And now that it's approved, if, you're, if you have a doctor who will prescribe it to you, you can go to their office and they can shoot it up your nose and you can have a disassociated experience with this medicine. It's extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. It's not covered by most insurance. And so it's still like... Most doctors I know are like, yeah, it's great, but like you can literally get the exact same product, racemic ketamine, from a compounding pharmacist for way cheaper, mm. for literally 10 times cheaper. Mm-hmm. So like there's not a lot of incentive for our doctors to go through all of the effort to fill out all the forms 
when you can get a, a very similar version of this that you can prescribe to a patient through a compounding pharmacy. Right. Okay. And, and, and does, is it, is it the dissociative effect that it, that is dissociating you from the depressive episode? It's actually the NMDA receptor antagonism. So, right. um, a, what, basically what like depression is like a weird condition, right? And so some of it is inflammatory mm-hmm. and some of it is, you know, like the, frankly, the result of chronic stress. Mm-hmm. So there's this neuroplasticity effect that happens when ketamine is in, is consumed. And it actually involves the mTOR switch, which basically it's kind of like a light switch turning on and off in mm-hmm. the body where you basically like the energy goes up and down. And then th- weirdly, it's like the difference in energy potential that happens that sends the signal to the brain to produce more ATP to start sprouting more neural connections. Okay. That's the best way to describe it. It's yeah, really it makes hard. sense. No, it's very clear. It kind of, it's, ter- it's tricky to describe, but I had to read all these papers when I found that. I was like, I knew there was a mitochondrial function. Uh-huh. But um, so what it does is it increases this ability for your brain to form new connections. The way that I, des- I describe it to the layman is like, you're in the ditch and you're staring up from the ditch and you're in, you know, you're in the corner in the ditch and you're like, oh my God, how am I going to get out of this ditch? This is impossible. And when you're depressed, like you are laying in bed and you can't imagine getting out of that bed because you're so miserable. You're so unhappy. You're low energy. Depression itself causes like a lower energy state because mm-hmm. you're not moving so much. And if you don't move, then your batteries aren't being charged because your muscles literally need to move in order to be charged. So long story short, a person who's stuck in the ditch is like, I can't get out. I don't even know how to get out of the ditch. And then like ketamine's like, oh, I turned my brain back on and I can like think about this now and I can form new ways of thinking about how to get out of this situation. Yeah. And so I'm going to take the dirt from the side of the ditch and I'm going to build a staircase and there's a doctor up there and a therapist and they're going to pull me out. <laughs> that's the way I describe it. Yeah. And that's why I recommend you don't just like try to dig yourself out of the ditch. You don't just take ketamine thinking that's going to fix you. The reality is, is that the reason why you've gotten to the ditch is likely due to massive chronic stress combined with acute stress combined with a lifestyle that's maladaptive to health which we know most people are living in America. So people aren't moving enough. People are not getting enough sunshine. People have been isolated for the last year. People are eating garbage. Like all these things damage the health of your body, including the microbiome, which we know is a huge role in serotonergic Mm -hmm. signaling. And the vagus nerve has this back and forth crosstalk between the gut and the brain. So depression is just like, to me, a byproduct of our maladaptive lifestyles. And technically it's considered an adaptive response to stress. It's like your body basically saying... I need to go into energy saving mode. Right. Because I can't really handle what's going on right now in the real world. Like mm-hmm. I need to just like turn down all this activity because it's too much. And the problem is, is that that is really detrimental because then you get stuck in this place where you're like, oh fuck, I can't, I have no energy. I can't mm-hmm. move. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just so tired. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it sucks because a lot of people are there right now. You 100%. Know? Yeah. I love that you mentioned adaptive response because we have to think about how the body works mm-hmm. with nothing as a coincidence. The body yeah. adapting to stop you right mm-hmm. to 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 handle that stress to integrate yeah. that stress yeah but guess what a lot of us are depressed but then we drudge ourselves back to work and get more stress from work mm-hmm. right don't deal with the stuff from our don't childhood or teenagers people. don't talk to people no community, no community social isolation no nature no nature no sun no yes movement. the basic things for health span right yes you're we talking about okay so now we got a little understanding of ketamine um they, they i know they, there's in la there's a lot mm-hmm. of ketamine assisted therapies yeah what about MDMA? Yeah, MDMA is tricky. So I just got done taking it. I'm like, I'm in the middle of an online course, like teaching me how to communicate about MDMA. So the thing, the way that I just, I think about MDMA is like, it extinguishes fear conditioning, right? Like that's the, one of the main reasons why it's so good for PTSD and any sort of like trauma is like, when you think about that traumatic experience, immediately your body goes into this fear response, 
right? So it's really hard to get out of that response, especially if it's like baked into your brain function. So when you take MDMA and you're in the presence of a therapist who's like taking care of you and really talking to you and being present for you, and you're really breaking up your most intimate moments, the most frightening things that have ever happened to you, and you feel safe and connected and, and someone's empathizing with you, that changes the programming of that script in the brain. And so now you don't associate those thoughts with, I'm going to die, mm -hmm. which if you've been to war and you think about going to war and you think about people, you know, who've died in front of you, like every time you think about that, it's like, boom, you're back there. So it really MDMA's role is to like play a role in, in, in reprogramming the fear, fear response. And mm -hmm. I think that, um, it's also just known as an empathogen, right? So it increases your feeling of connectivity and, and connection to someone else, which is necessary for that therapist and, and patient relationship to really be fertile and grow and be able to be in a place where you really trust them to tell them what you're afraid of. A lot of people don't find good therapists because they just don't trust people mm -hmm. and they can't really open up. And if you can't open up and trust someone, then you will never really work through your problems. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, I can't, first of all, my nickname is Dr. Molly. And I know, so I was just saying how perfect you came to this world with that name. I cannot wait to tell you guys about what I'm working <laughs> on in this space. And it's like, I can't talk, I just signed a term sheet, so I can't talk about it until I really sign the short term sheet. But let's just say, that there is going to be a really exciting future ahead in this space. And I am just like, I'm just like so lit up thinking about it because I'm putting together this, pro this program that's going to be so important for women. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, you tell me and I'll bring it out I'll bring, to I'll, the I'll whole come back. community. Yeah, I'll come back. Yeah. I'm ready for that. But it's, it's so uh, interesting to see the way these psychedelics work because yeah. MDMA, in my experience, is such an empathogen. I oh, mean, yeah. you feel connected to community. Totally. You feel connected to yourself. I know. You close your eyes and you go, oh, God, why did I stop loving myself? I know. You know, you're like, oh, wow, I kind of love this about me, you yeah. know? And what an amazing way to get back in touch with who you are mm -hmm. um, without like the filters of like, judgment and ego and all of the things that we've been programmed totally. with. Totally. Yeah. So what a powerful medicine. Okay. 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 But now we're going to get to the one that I really want to talk <laughs> about. Psilocybin, which is my yeah. personal favorite. Yeah. Um, in, in the healing. I'd say it's up there in the top three. Top three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So first of all, this is, it has a long history mm -hmm. throughout the world, ancestrally, shamanically, right. in medicine and cultural revolution. Um, where do we stand right now as far as legalization of psilocybin? Well, basically, it's just kind of a matter of time before most cities decide to decriminalize it. So right now, Denver, D.C., um, probably soon to be Hawaii, like, and then uh, Portland, and I think soon California and Oakland has already. Um, they Basically, what they've done is decriminalized it, which means police are not going to arrest you in these cities if you're found with a small amount. Now, if you're in Austin, you will still be arrested. I know people who have been arrested in Austin for having mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So it's very much locally decided. But that doesn't mean that if, you're, if you've got a big, giant growing operation in one of these cities, that the DEA won't come in and stop you. That doesn't mean that the federal government won't come in and find you if you're selling mm -hmm. a bunch of mushrooms. So like, if you have an op a mushroom growing operation and you are found to be selling mushrooms in a decriminalized zone, you can still go to jail because it's, it's technically still illegal federally. So that's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's like you're not going to get in trouble probably for taking some mushrooms with your friends in these cities, but you're probably better off not going anywhere else. And if you really want to do mushrooms safely, you want to leave the country and go to like Jamaica or Costa Rica mm -hmm. or Amsterdam where they're actually more legal. Um, or like, you know, um, you know, there's, I, I think, I think Portugal might be too, but you really want to be just really much aware that like, 
you, you could get in trouble. So yeah. you got to be careful. That's that's a great way to put it. Because yeah. I think the decriminalization part, people are like, oh, wow, we can just do a bunch of mushrooms in the street. So I, I don't... Not really. Not yeah, exactly. It's a little shady right now. And you're just better off. Like, you're going to have a better experience if you don't have to worry about getting arrested. Exactly. <laughs> which is why, like, I don't recommend you go do a bunch of mushrooms and run around the town. Yeah, like, yeah. that's not smart. Like, um, <laughs> so we should probably talk a little bit about how classical psychedelics work, right? So because we're already talking about mechanisms of action. For sure. So like really the main gist, if you want to know about classical psychedelics, is that they kind of, they they and they and they basically turn, turn off this default node. They don't really turn it off, but they like, they change the functioning of your default mode network so that your brain is getting a lot more information coming in than it normally would. So typically there's this, there's this um, sort of gating mechanism in the thalamus. And when that gate, like, and that gating mechanism is kind of designed to keep you from like taking in all the information that's happening in your environment. Because right. if you actually were to see everything that's actually happening in your environment all at once, it'd be really hard to function normally. Mm -hmm. But when you when you experience a psychedelic state, that gate's lifted. And so you get to experience this newfound connectivity of your brain. So all these parts of your brain are lighting up all at the same time that, that normally wouldn't be. And so that just changes the way that you per perceive reality. And most people see most people at a high enough dose well like i kind of describe it there's different levels right so there's there's like the microdose which is like 5 to 10 micrograms um milligrams in mushrooms micrograms in lsd um and that's just going to make your day slightly more beautiful right mm -hmm. but you're not going to see anything um now i call it like the museum dose where it's like 25 milligrams of um of mushrooms where you're like you could you could be in public and nobody would know, but everything's gonna look a little bit glimmery. Mm -hmm. You know, like art's gonna look particularly more amazing. So like, I, I'm not recommending you go and 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 do this at a museum <laughs> because you may actually Get find out. some people may not. So the thing is, you don't really. The reason why I'm always advocating for harm reduction and and starting low and going slow and titrating up. Um, which, by the way, they do in these research studies. They start you on low doses in research studies, and then they bring you up to higher doses. From microdose level or just low dose? Usually macro? lower dose level okay. in most of the research studies. Um, I recommend just if you're ever new to anything, just microdose. Do not start with a giant handful of anything. That's dumb. Um, so, yeah, so then there's like the concert dose, which is like 50, 50 milligrams of mushrooms, right? And then you're like, you, you definitely feel physically your body is different. Like you can feel like you want to dance more, you want to move more. You're just like everything is more beautiful and alive. And then when you get hit, when you start hitting a gram, that's when you start really dripping. Like most people will hallucinate with a gram of mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And now three and a half grams, that's when you have got an eye mask on and you're with a therapist and you're in like a session where you, you're going inward. You really don't want to be in a group of people with three and a half grams of mushrooms. That is like mm -hmm. a clinical dose. Like mm -hmm. that's like, like how much people are using in these studies, right? right. The equivalent essentially. And so um, I just think that most people get mushrooms all wrong because they just think that they, like they, these pushers, these people who sell mushrooms are like, oh yeah, take like this much. And it's right. like, that is why people have bad experiences. That's why people get hurt. And by the way, like a lot of people don't even give, give themselves the proper education of like thinking, well, maybe I should ask my family if we have a family history of psychosis. Right. Maybe we should like, maybe I should do my own family history to make sure I'm not like at risk for like losing my mind. Mm -hmm. Or even if you have like mental illness, you should be talking to your doctor before you ever engage in any sort of recreational drug use, even mm -hmm. and mostly just because they should know. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to get you in trouble. It's not like they're going to like arrest you. Like your doctor should know what you're taking if you're going to take something. Um, ideally, you can find a doctor who will actually listen to you and, and want to talk to you about these things. But 
the biggest problem with these drugs right now is that people are taking them in the street without proper dosing. And so they're harming themselves For because sure. they're getting these like, and also mushrooms have a, have a very wide variety of potency depending on the strain. And so people are taking things, they're getting hurt, they're doing stupid stuff, they're not educated properly. And so it's kind of like my duty to go talk about this stuff in the media because somebody needs to educate people because whether we like it or not, whether we want people to wait for them to be legal or not, people are taking these. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Like it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not telling you to go take them, but I am saying if you are taking them, you should definitely be careful with your brain. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And and that's, that's the best way to put it, especially... Speaking right now, what like you said, whether or not they're legal, someone needs to speak on safety. Yeah. Right. How do yeah. we go about this? Yeah. There's actually a, a website called psychedelic.support, and if you're like a therapist or a doctor, you can actually take a free course on harm reduction. And they have a fantastic, fantastic, like CME, continued medical education course on MDMA and psilocybin. Is that the one you're I'm doing taking MDMA? it right now? I'm, it's I'm worth it. every penny. I'm gonna do it. It's really, really worth it. So speaking about. Um, those levels of experience, yeah. mu museum dose mm -hmm. and, and the party. I, I notice anytime I take psilocybin, I don't want to be around people. Mm -hmm. I actually don't like it. I'd rather be in nature. Yeah. The first time I took it, I was like, oh, wow, like plants are alive. Yeah. I get it now. I get, you know, everything's energetically connected. Yeah. But speaking about the higher dose, it's pretty incredible. Can, do, do you know what happens when you go at like three, four, five grams to the body? There's, there's, is there a complete shutdown of that network and you're dissociating? Um, from the body because I really wish I mean honestly I'm gonna have to get back to you I don't want to talk about stuff that I'm not certain about mm -hmm. like it definitely seems like yeah there's a lot of research coming out about this and I, I will know a lot more when I finish that part of the course <laughs> right because what I notice uh, is there's yeah. a shift in like there's certainly a shift observer. in perception yeah like yeah. you are you are Chris, Dr. G. T yeah, there's got to be different different facets of the brain function right. because you're getting a higher and higher dose, higher and higher dose, mm -hmm. and so there there absolutely has to be a difference because I know that when I'm when I'm like, you know, at least when I've done therapeutic experiences with psilocybin, there's an absolutely different experience when I have an eye mask on by myself with the doctor. Completely. You know? Completely. It, yeah. It's completely. I, I know that there, there there's a mechanism part for the self-referential center, right? Yeah. I, me, ego, yeah. my experience. Yeah. Christian, Dr. G. Yeah. And that's just off. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of left with some conscious observer of this experience. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's wild when, like... I, I to to date the most beautiful experience I've the mo most beautiful realization I've ever had in my life yeah. was hearing music mm. and it was a I put together this like awesome playlist right and I I'm very particular about curated music when I do these experiences yeah no you have to yeah and this particular one had beautiful musical scores and symphonies and I'm listening to it and I was like I, I came back to my body I was like that's a that's a beautiful song wow man I was like that artist did a beautiful and I go wait the artist I go wait a minute. We have observer, Christian, artist, music. There's two mediums between. Mm -hmm. When I realize I am that music, mm -hmm. the beauty of coming from that music is yeah. me. It completely changed my life because I understood wow. if everything's connected, the artist made the music, I am the music that I'm observing. The music is beautiful, therefore I'm beautiful. I was like, oh, holy wow. shit. I was like, yeah. Because then in your waking life, I'm yeah. sitting, I'm sitting in front of you. I'm like, wow, she's so smart, and it's the same thing. It's like mm. I am you, you are me. I know me. we are all one. Yeah. Like this is the thing that most. This is the big secret. Is like these psychedelics just open up the key to the door to realizing that we are all connected. True that nature. we are all one consciousness, mm -hmm. and the universe is all connected. Mm -hmm. And we, there's this delusional idea that we're separate selves, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, that's why so many people are miserable. It's because yeah. they like basically spend all this time stuck in their 
bodies. And then they're like, but I'm like alone here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the first thing I would say about that is like, loneliness is actually a hunger signal to bring you closer to the tribe because that would make you stronger and more, more likely to survive. Yeah. And most people don't realize that like loneliness is a functional like tool that will, that's like, Hey, this is a signal you need to, you need to hang out with your friends. Now let's chat about something crucial. That is omega threes. You know, I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Pure's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Pure is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Pure.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Pure. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea, but not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century-old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm going right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. You need to be with people. You need to not be alone. And then the second thing is, is that like, this idea of like being this I, this like version of ourselves, like it's so weird to like be in the media because I'm doing all this meditation and like the entire point of all my med all this meditation that I do is like so that I can dissolve my ego so that I can feel connected and be like one with everyone else. And it's so there's like this, I'm experiencing this like really strange thing where I'm constantly striving for like dissolving my ego. And then I'm also like 
a persona in the media. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, this is so weird. I can feel both of these states at the yeah. same time. And yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. I, I don't know if you have any friends who are like interested in like consciousness and stuff, but I'm sure you do. And mm -hmm. like, I've got a bunch of friends who are like in persistent, non-symbolic, non-dual experience, mm -hmm. which means that they never feel like they're an I anymore. No. They're I, always I actually, in a we. I actually sometimes like for me it's a sometimes back and thing forth. yeah yeah i'm not fully like crossed over to that new world but mm -hmm. like part of me is a little bit afraid because i'm like what if i go to that other i was talking to my friend jeffrey martin if if you haven't heard of his course by the way shameless plug he's my friend he teaches teaches at stanford with me it's called the finders course he he's like molly when i like went from dual to non-dual it's like i went from having the capacity of like 30 people like you to like capacity of one person and it was like definitely a shift. I'm like, I'm not ready to give up this capacity. Yeah. <laughs> so there is this little slight fear that like my whole life will fall apart if I just like go zen and monk-like. But like at the same time, I'm pretty sure it's inevitable. Well, <laughs> you, you see, I, and I'm happy you brought this up. Um, after that same experience is where I was like, oh, I am music. It's beautiful. Yeah. At the end, I came out and I was like, all right, I have a choice. Mm -hmm. I can be like, what does it all matter? You know, like none of this is real. Or, sure. You know, the, the whole, the, that whole narrative that you the can go into. Of, yeah, the futile sort of like nihilistic, a nihilistic. aspects. Yeah. Because that's there. And there's, yeah. there are people who take psychedelics to, like oh, sure. you know, irresponsibly and, and go there. Yeah. But the other part was like, I have this, it's like sort of a, a play, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's this character called Christian and then there's another character called Dr. G and I can show up accordingly, right? So it's not necessarily egoic, it's just creative experience. You get to yeah. create a Sims character. And yeah, an exactly. That you get to be, but totally. really with the, with the understanding that I am the conscious observer of this. Totally. Right? I'm not yeah. them. So that's, yeah. that's sort of the Just split. like everyone else is a conscious observer of this. Right. You know, it's like you are just part of that conscious observation of like, oh, there is a persona. Mm -hmm. There's a persona, <laughs> exactly. Know? But most people yeah. are stuck believing that they are the persona. I know. And that's the suffering. Totally. That's the suffering, totally. right? Because like, you, if you think you are your persona, all you need is one person to be like, I hate your persona. And you're like, oh my God, no, exactly. I, no, I am the persona that, you know, this is your, your, my sense of self is threatened. Yeah. That's but, why the like, identity, you just cannot let your identity be defined by like all of your work that you do. Like yeah. you, you, who you are is beyond the work that you do and like the place that you're from. It's like, it's, it's like the essence of who you are is just, it's just infinite. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have this idea that like, we are these, I mean, I used to have these identity crises like every 10 years of my life. And then I realized like, oh yeah, all of that was because like, Society tells us that we have to like attach ourselves to these identities. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like that makes us all miserable. Yeah. So like, why don't we just like construct these identities identities as they're useful for people, but like not be attached to them, mm -hmm. you know, not be, and that's, that's the key is like the non-attachment. It's, and it's, there you go. That's like part of, that's what Buddhism is based on. Buddhism yeah. is non-attachment. Yeah. And uh, again, that's like, like you said, we are in a society that, actually values the identifications of whatever oh measures of success. Hollywood, everything yeah, here. Yeah, we're in Hollywood. Everything here. <laughs> yeah. I tell, I'll tell you what, I, I started working with clients in Hollywood and I, I definitely noticed a parallel between the Silicon Valley clients. I was like, wow, the more money people make, the more success that they get, the more the smaller their circles become, the more fearful they have they are of people, the less they trust others, the more obsessed they are with their reputations, the less they can actually enjoy what they've created. And it's like, oh, this is not good. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can play a role in shifting some culture here because- I hope so. You know, like that's what it's about is like, we need to basically re reignite this idea that like, 
you're just like the amount of money in the bank that you have does not define you. Yeah. It, yes, it, of course, it changes like your your lifestyle, but it doesn't. It's not who you are. Yeah. It's not your value. It's not your actual net worth. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, I think, I, and that's why even before people start getting that net worth coming in, you know, they start making some good money. Mm-hmm. I think that's more the most important part to be grounded in who you are and yeah. understand. Right? Yeah. I'm the same person before anything, mm-hmm. you know, even before graduating school. I've right. always thought the same. Yeah. Cuz I don't identify, right? Yeah. Right? I'm just like, "Oh, wow, here here I am doing this now with my life and here's another fun creative experience." So, I think that like peeling away that identification is so important. Um regardless, even like there'll be there's people listening that go, "I I never want to do psychedelics." And that's okay. But but you here's here's something you can do. Yeah, go through that meditation. There's also, I mean, I've I've tripped so hard on my own neurochemistry meditating. <laughs> you go meditating. deep, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I mean, I got tra- like trained by these like serious meditating mm-hmm. groups of people that were like semi cultish, but didn't didn't get sucked into any cult. But I definitely was like, oh, this is kind of like a cult. But I'm like learning a lot. I want to try this on for a second. Right, right, right. right. I just won't drink all the Kool-Aid. I definitely didn't drink the Kool-Aid, but like I, I actually did. I once gave a talk with my friend Eric Weinstein about like about cults and counterculture and how like you, cults are actually really interesting, but you just don't want to stay. You just don't want to join the cult. But yeah. like you can learn a lot of things from cults. Sometimes sure. they're useful. Meditation. I, I was like, I met, I've like been in two cult-like meditation groups and both realms taught me like, oh my God, the the power of your consciousness, what it can do mm-hmm. without drugs is massive. Like mm-hmm. you can totally hallucinate. You can totally like see things in your mind, in your mind's eye, crystal clear with proper meditation if you want. Like if that's that's called what's called inner space mm-hmm. a technique. Um, and you can also like completely silence and go completely dark internally and just have everything be completely still. Yeah. And then you can also have what's called samadhi, which is like just pure beauty, infinite, infinite intelligence and just like, it's like staring at the face of God. It's just so, uh, mm-hmm. it's just like nirvana. Mm-hmm. Like that can be, that can be from meditation. So meditation is just like, it's a consciousness expanding experience, whether it be something you use for focus and attention or for healing your depression or like, you know, traversing different worlds. Whoa. So, yeah. Whoa. So powerful. Yeah. So, cause there's a lot of people who are going to be like, all right, I'm not, I'm not never doing that. It's such an interesting talk, but I'm not, I'm not ready. Yeah. So the meditation part, or even like breath work, have you oh done, my gosh. gone through breath, breath work? work? Is, is, you can get into yeah. a, that psychedelic experience. I went to a, three meditation life. retreats that involved breath work and meditation and yin yoga. And let me tell you, like after 10 days of that, you will be tripping on your brain. Right. Like breath work is amazing. Yeah. But like, like the reality is, is that it's funny because like no doctor is going to warn you about breath work or meditation, but they can, they can cause psychotic breaks too. Yeah. So like if you are predisposed for psychosis, you should be much more careful with these techniques and tools. Um, there's a lot of people who are really unstable psychologically. So I would recommend always find grounding and stability before you're about to like because think about your consciousness like Castaneda. Have you ever read Castaneda? No. Carlos Castaneda is a great writer about consciousness and just like, he's written some epic books. And um, so he, he kind of envisions like consciousness like a golden ball that you can like, if you could close your eyes and think about your body and think about like where you're thinking about your consciousness is. Like right now I'm thinking about my consciousness in the middle of my forehead. Like imagine it's like a golden ball and then like move that ball down to your toe. Like you can literally move your conscious focus of your mind to your toe if mm-hmm. you just on demand. Like that is just a, it just, that, that, to me, like if I want to think about my feet grounding into the earth, I can do that meditatively. And you can feel it. You can feel it, yeah. right? So, but if you're someone who's like kind of like 
not even in your body. Like I know a lot of people who are kind of disembodied and they just don't feel totally grounded in reality. Like you go meditate and you do too much breath work and you can be like, you can be a little bit thrown off mm -hmm. or in some people a lot thrown off. Mm -hmm. I know people who've gone to meditation retreats and had major, major breakdowns afterwards. Yeah. So especially like silent retreats, like very talk, difficult. Talk about like, you want to be, you want to be challenged, be by yourself and your thoughts was for 10 days. Yeah. Like very difficult. you should really, it's like, to me, it's like, you're not going to go run a marathon usually without some training, right? So don't go do a 10-day meditation retreat without getting some practice. Yeah. That's the way I – it's just like microdosing versus macrodosing, right? It's like you don't have to be irresponsible with your consciousness. You can do things carefully and and steadily, and then you will not hurt yourself. Yeah, and have that patience behind it. Yeah. A lot of us are like, no, I'm going to go. You know, there's a lot of all or nothing people. you got a lifetime to work on this. Yeah, you got a lifetime. But but getting that groundedness is so important, and mm -hmm. I love that you said we can, we can do that before we jump in. Yeah. Um, because meditation can be super intense. Breath work can be – I've done it can be super intense, put you in those psychedelic yeah. states. So, uh, and have tons of emotional release. Yeah. And, and, and I've always been fascinated at how the parts of the brain turn off and we really come into the body mm -hmm. where so much trauma is being held. I know. And, and one thing that I've, oh, the most fascinating thing is that how I'm just getting these like images or like really short videos or gifs, of, as, as I say, it was during experiences, like in my mind's eye. And I'm like, Damn, I don't remember that happened in 1992, 93. What the heck? I completely yeah. forgot about it. Yeah. It's just stored and just shown to mm -hmm. you. And that's the magic. There's such an intelligence. Do you believe that there's an intelligence? 100%. Like, the, and the intelligence is actually like, it's funny because like, I don't even think about it like from just a spiritual perspective. Yeah. I think that there's actually, when you think about the way that the body's innervated, the innervation, like the nerves, peripheral nerves. They go from the brain to the spinal cord out, but there's also like ganglia in your gut, mm -hmm. right? So there's mini mini brains all over. There's a celiac plexus. There's this. Um, there's like a splenic plexus. There's all these different plexuses, and these are like like these um, super highways of where all your nerves are crossing and communicating. And so there's a lot of stuff going on outside of the brain, and on top of that. Your nerves, when they go out and they innervate, they go through your connective tissue. Mm -hmm. And so we used to think that connective tissue was just like this inert stuff. It's just inert tissue. I think it, I really believe, like along with a lot of other people, that it's like fiber optic cables. And there's there's a responsive mechanism happening when you get stressed and when someone hurts you and like you start hardening yourself, like you literally can feel those knots in your back when you are in a fight with someone, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can, you can feel the emotion like getting stored in your body. That's your body's way of protecting you and trying to armor you against mm -hmm. threats. So like when I get massage, I basically, when they're like working on specific knots, I'm like, okay, where did that knot come from? And I actually work with my own brain and consciousness to like be like, oh, that was that disagreement I had with that person. Wow. And like when you really work on, on your body with what's called body work or like somatic therapy, you can go really deep and you can figure out a lot of stuff about like, why did you develop that kind of posture? You know, like why did your body kind of develop that kind of, um, you know, positioning in order, and it's almost always to protect you, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. It's an adaptive mechanism yeah. to protect you, survival, right? Yeah. Um, even if it's like prolonged stress, it's still the mental survival of holding you in. So like, like this yeah. is like terrible posture because this is like a very much like protected posture. Like we really want to open ourselves up. And so mm -hmm. I'm just such a believer that, you know, you, people shouldn't just be working on the mind, like work with the body too, yeah. like work with somatic. Therapists. Yeah. And if we think about it, like I remember when I was in school, there was like, there, there was a masseuse coming in and one of my classmates had like a 
inner thigh, like deep, deep massage. We're talking about like, yeah. it was borderline painful. And yeah. out of nowhere, she's like, ah, you know, it hurts. But it wasn't to the point where she's going to cry. Boom. Out of nowhere, she's crying. It was a full release. Yeah. And I was like, what was happening in her yeah. thigh, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah. talking about connective tissue fascia, it's totally. all those things that, you know. I've, have you ever done Rolfing before? Yeah. I mean, I've done it like at least two or three times. Yeah, like intense. The, the full series. It's like. Changes your whole structure. It just changes yeah. the way you carry yourself. It's amazing. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, I love that the flow of this conversation. I know. It's really cool. The um, so where where do you th- where do you see the the aspect f- for all of psychedelics right now? How it is, how we're approaching it. Where is that in the next, let's say, four years, three years? Well, the first thing is is there's a massive land grab happening in in pharma where like everyone's trying to patent everything. So there's just like, we're going to see just like this huge wave. I mean, there's this huge wave of, of just capital going into pharmacology. But there's also like a bunch of companies coming out and being made in like the realm of integration, for example. There's like one called Fluence and there's another one called Nana. And these are like integration companies that are literally like integration as a service. And so they're designed to help people work with the experiences that they're having whether they're done on their own or through a clinic. a clinic, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see, um, I mean, Field Trip alone is going to open up 70, they say they're going to open up 75 oh. clinics across the country. Wow. Um, so we're going to see a lot of stock soar. And I think that if you really want to invest your money in the stock market right now, it's like start learning about these companies, start learning about who runs them, start asking yourself, are you voting for this company? Do you like this company? Do you think, do you stand for what they're, what they're trying to do? Because... We need to vote with our dollars. Like we're a lot of people are getting into stock investing and everyone's just like pouring money into these companies. But I really want to ask people, like, go out and like ask yourself, like, is this a company that I want to see flourish? And like then you put your money into that company's stock. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of people just coming out of <laughs> this pandemic and they're gonna wanna have they're going to want to have connection again. And so I think we're going to see another, I mean, I'm hoping we see a summer of love. I'm hoping everyone starts dating and I'm hoping that everyone decides that they want to have babies and like our country, you know, sees a rebirth of of young people feeling happy and inspired about life. Um, That's something I would like to see. I really want festivals to come back, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm attending some mini, mini burns. So there's definitely like miniature things happening. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm pretty optimistic. I think that the movement's going to see, we're going to see MDMA approved. We're probably going to see um, psilocybin, large, like so, so one of the, Compass will probably get it approved, but like, I don't know how I feel about Compass yet because I don't really like what they're patenting. Like, I think their patents are just a little bit ridiculous, but um but I mean, I think there's going to be a whole. There's going to be sort of like first generation companies, which is which is like the existing substances like MDMA, psilocybin, ketamine, and then there's going to be these second generation companies that are going to be like new compounds, new delivery systems, mm-hmm. safer safer routes of administration, safer ways to administer these medicines. So it's just kind of like the natural cycle of innovation, right? Yeah. Like th- I'm the early adopter. You know, you're an early adopter. There's like the community leaders who are going to go out and spread the word. And then the, the early majority will be like, okay, I want to try this. And then the late majority is like, no, 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 I'm not ready. And eventually the late majority is going to be like, I'm miserable. <laughs> I need something. Uh-huh. And I think it's going to revolutionize psychiatry. So like I get a lot of messages from medical students and residents and they're just like, oh my God, I want to be like you someday. I'm like, first of all, 
my path is insane. You should probably not follow my path completely. But if you decide to go into medicine today, if I could go back to medicine, I would definitely go back into psychiatry because I think it's going to be the most exciting part of medicine yeah. like in the next five years. No 100%, question. 100%. I love that. I love this conversation. Thanks. I'm hyped up over Me here. Me too. How do, how do people find you? Well, I'm on Instagram at drmolly.co and I'm also, I've got a website at drmolly.co. So it's like www.drmolly.co. I've also got a medical practice. Um, M, it's called Molly Maloof MD. And then, um, and then, yeah, mostly just like Twitter or Instagram or the Clubhouse. best. Clubhouse. Oh yeah. I, the second, the, I'm like, I'm the co-host of the psychedelic news hour on Clubhouse every, at 1130 Pacific time, which I missed today because I was flying here. I know. I was thinking about that. You know, I was like, I wonder if she's in that. There's no way for me yeah. to make it. Uh-huh. Um, so that was at, that's 1130 Pacific time on Fridays. And we've got a website, thepsychedelicnewshour.com, mm-hmm. so you can check out the previous guests. And we're going to be posting our podcast on iTunes this year. And so that would be the best way to contact me. And then, amazing. like, yeah, LinkedIn. Friend me on all the social media. I'm telling you, follow, <laughs> follow her. You, you're putting out some amazing and beautiful aesthetic posts. Where are you? Oh, like, thank yeah, you. I got to know your graphic, you know? Like, I made it all We got myself. a good graphic team, but, yeah, it's beautiful. Like, just the colors. Cool. It's, like, it's got a little psychedelic vibe. Yeah. It's science vibe. Yeah. I'm loving it. So thank you for coming on the show. i uh, love to have you back in maybe a year. We talk about the progress. Oh, yeah. That would be really cool. Totally. Um, and yeah, and let and everyone, viewers, listeners, follow her. Look at all the information. You are leading the way, and uh, very much so blessed to have you here. Thank you so much. This is right. wonderful. And this is where we're going. This is where we're going in medicine. What an incredible conversation with Dr. Molly. I love how she is so informed and so in tune and has a pulse on really where we're at with psychedelics in medicine and where we're going. And if you ask me as a practitioner and as an enthusiast of the changes that are being made in medicine, I do believe that there's gonna be a major, major flood, a tidal wave, where we see that actually psychedelics are going to be so, so transcendent in people's healing that it's going to be saving a lot of lives. Remember, we don't know where we are yet. There's a lot of studies that need to be done. We're going to see, but I think that the prospect of them is amazing. Thank you for listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing, giving love. I will see you all next week. Much love to you.